Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the burgundy and blue, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans. Good to have you with us here as uh, we come to you one week to go until the NHL trade deadline. And uh, fascinating time if you're an Avalanche fan, especially in the wake of the last couple games in which the Avs will look pretty good. Uh, Val Nuchuskin is back practicing with the team. Heck, even Gabe Landeskog is with the team. So I think what I want to get at today is as we sit here, one week to go from the trade deadline, how do you look at this hockey team and uh, what do you think they need to uh, do, if anything, with the trade deadline coming up? Now let's start with a deal that was made as the Calgary Flames sent Brandon Tanev to Dallas. A uh, good defenseman, a top four defenseman, and to find out, come to find out that the Avalanche were very interested in Brandon Tanev. So what does that tell you? Well, you got to kind of um, deconstruct all this and kind of work your way backwards a little bit. Why would the Avalanche be in, interested in a top four defenseman? Okay, well, it, it wouldn't be because any of the four top four you have right now are guys that you're immediately looking to replace, right? You got Taves, you got McCarr, you got Byram, you got Gerard, you got you got Manson. Why would you be bringing in another defenseman if you pretty much are set with your top five, four or five defensemen? Well, could it be because you're thinking of moving one of your current defensemen and because of that, you're looking for a replacement for that defenseman that you may be looking to move. So that immediately starts to spark that idea that are they interested or were they interested in trading a Bo Byram or a, a Sammy Gerrard? I think that's the first takeaway that you have to uh, gather from their reported interest in, in, in TANF. The other thing is I, I, I get the feeling um, – that as we look at what the Avalanche will or will not do around the trade deadline, I'm really now starting to not be expecting anything big. And and by big, I mean going out after a second-line center. I think for all the discussion that we've had about the Avalanche needing a second-line center, and, and, and that hasn't changed, by the way. I still feel that the Avs uh, need an upgrade at, at second-line center, but... I think what we're, it, it, unless there is a name out there, and we've joked about this before, and um, the the idea of a guy like a Sidney Crosby, for example, be, becoming available, barring something like that, and if you look at the names that we've been hearing, the uh, Adam Henriques, the Casey Middlestats, the uh, Scott Laughlins of the world. I mean, they're okay, right? They're okay, but for what the Avalanche would be asking and what they would be in a position to have to give up, are you really looking at somebody that's going to come in and give you the kind of impact that we've been talking about now for the last year plus in terms of uh, filling that 2C role? I, I just don't I just don't think that there's anybody out there right now, at least for the names we're hearing. If somebody else shakes loose, then we can look at this and have a different conversation. But for the names that you're hearing right now, nothing really feels like, okay, that's somebody I'm willing to give up a Bo Byram for or a future first-round pick or 
uh, one of the top guys in our farm system or a combination of two or all three. There's just nobody out there that really strikes me as that kind of guy. So maybe there's another way that we need to look at this and expect the avalanche. Instead of going out and making one big move to try to address a core position, maybe we just see them go out and really try to strengthen everything around the core. And you see, rather than one big monster move, maybe you see smaller moves designed to strengthen what's around the rest of this hockey team. Uh, And maybe it's the idea of strengthening, going out and finding another winger. All right. Um, Maybe it's going out and and adding that that other defenseman. Uh, Maybe it's the idea that, hey, you know, we're getting Val Nechuskin back and what we'll do is we will just make our wingers and they're getting also the Kovalenko uh, guy coming up after the KHL season ends that the idea being that we're just going to really strengthen one through four. We're going to have four really good set of wingers and maybe our center setup isn't exactly ideal, but we're going to be so strong with all of our wingers lines one through four that We'll just come at teams with that kind of talent, that kind of depth, and we'll be teams that way, even if our second-line center isn't exactly the way that we might like it. The other thing, too, is is the Avalanche might be kind of going at this a little bit backwards. So what's their second-best line right now? It's the Roaring Twenties line, right? It's 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 uh, Logan O'Connor, it's Colton, and it's, it's Miles Wood. Technically, it's their third line, but what if you go into the playoffs with the idea that they're our third line, but really they're our second line, and our second line is really our third line, and that second, third line is Ryan Johansson centering Zach Parise and uh, Val Nechuskin. How about that? Is, is, is that pretty good? Or, or you put Val up and bring Arturi Lekkanen down. Either way... Now you're starting to look at it from the the standpoint that, hey, we don't have our traditional second line with our traditional second line center. Our third line is actually our second line, and our second line is actually our third line, and that's the way we're going to go about it. And if you go about it that way, if you start looking at it that way, you take that avalanche line of uh, Colton, Wood, and and LOC, is, is that a second line that you can feel good about in the playoffs? I think there's a lot to like there. Absolutely. And then you start looking at a line of Johansson, Parise, and Nechuskin, or Johansson, Parise, and uh, Lekkanen. Maybe that's not so bad. A couple other quick thoughts there. Val is back. Great to see him practicing. What's the timetable? Somebody asked me, what do you think the timetable is for Val? I think it, it was pretty evident that while he was away, he he kept himself in decent enough shape that he was able to hop back on the ice and practice and continue to practice. I would think this thing is going to come pretty quickly. I would I would expect that we're sitting here on a Friday, March 1st. I would think that by next Friday, the trade deadline, I think he's back. I think he's playing within a week to 10 days, absolutely, if not earlier than that. So I, I don't think this thing is going to stretch out into some sort of Chris Bryant type needs three weeks in uh, Albuquerque with the isotopes. So I think you're, you're going to see Val back pretty quickly. Um, some other quick thoughts. Uh, Zach Parise is looking good. I I thought that, that goal that he scored against Chicago uh, last night 
showed that this guy still has his wheels. This guy still has his eye-hand coordination. And, and this guy is still somebody who knows to put, how, how to put the puck in the back of the net, along with all the other intangibles that he brings. Um, I, I feel pretty comfortable rolling him out on my third line in the, um, in the playoffs. Ryan Johansson showing some signs of life. Uh, at least the puck's going in for him. Uh, as far as his overall game, maybe that still uh, is is lacking. But if you're if you're if you're able to look at Ryan Johansson now as effectively your third line center, okay, and the Roaring Twenties line is your is your second line. If you're able to look at Ryan Johansson as your third line center, working between a Parise and an Aval or a Lekkonen, you know, maybe maybe you can make that work. Maybe you can. It's not ideal. Again, that's what we're talking about here. This scenario is not ideal, but if you can build enough around these centers, and your wingers are just so strong, then maybe the perceived depth at at, at or lack of depth at second line or lack of impact at second line center maybe doesn't mean as much. Eustace Ananen. Okay, here's another question to talk about. Where are we uh, looking at the goaltending situation at now? Because we've been talking about the idea, and the Avalanche have definitely been uh, involved in goaltending talks. That There's certainly been a lot of smoke out there about the Az being interested in a goaltender. But with Eustace Annanen playing very well of late, culminating with his first career shutout in Chicago, is getting a backup goaltender or a 1A goaltender to Alexander Georgiev, is that as much of a need right now? Because you can look at, uh, Annan in the way he's playing right now, and maybe think, okay, maybe you don't need to do that. I still would err on the side of if I can bring in a a veteran goaltender um, without having to give up a ton, it it would be something I would prefer. Nothing against Annan; he's a terrific prospect. Definitely looks like somebody I would want to continue to develop. And, and maybe going into next year, you know, he or Prozvatov, whoever ends up being the guy, can be the backup goalie again. But I just think that when you're looking at trying to win a Stanley Cup, I don't know if I trust having your backup goalie be somebody who's only played nine games in the NHL. That's it for Annan. He's played nine NHL games. Now, credit to him. He's, he's playing pretty well, and he's showing signs of improvement. But nine NHL games. Is that the guy you want as your backup, if anything, knock on wood, happens to uh, Georgiev during the playoffs. I, that's asking a lot. That's putting that kid in a tough position. I, I get it. I know the Avalanche won a Stanley Cup a couple years ago with less than stellar goaltending. But Pavel Fransos at that point felt like a, a, a little bit more of a reliable option behind Darcy Kemper than I would feel about Annan in behind uh, Alexander Georgiev. So you've you've got that issue uh, and that debate. I would still look. We're we're tossing out wish lists, right? And I, I'm starting to prepare myself for the idea that you're going to see more more moves with smaller impact. With the idea that you add it all together, it makes a big impact, as opposed to going out and making a big deal. Uh, for for one player and giving up a lot. I, I have a feeling that's the way the Avalanche are going to go. And they're going to do something. They're not going to just roll out what they have right now and be good with it. They're, they're going to do something. It's either going to be something big, or I think we're going to see two or three smaller moves uh, designed to build up the overall strength of the of the team around the around the edges around the around the core. A couple of uh, individual notes. Congratulations to Nathan McKinnon. I, I had this surprised me when I heard this stat. 
Nathan McKinnon went over 100 points again for the second straight year. He becomes the first Avalanche player ever to post back-to-back 100-point seasons. Does that surprise you? Like, it it surprised me when I first heard it. Sackick never did it. Uh, Forsberg never did it. Uh, Hayduke never did it. And so, uh, Nathan McKinnon, step forward. You're the first player to go over the 100 mark in two straight years. He had 111 last year. He's on pace for, like, 133 this year. And it's it's kind of like when we have these conversations about Nikola Jokic. I think it's the same thing in talking about Nathan McKinnon. You think that you've arrived at a point where you can't say anything more about this guy, right? There's there's nothing more he can do that makes you try to reach for another adjective that just speaks to the exemplary nature of how he's playing. I I look at Nathan McKinnon this year, and to me, if I'm if I'm trying to find the difference in McKinnon this year, one, he he seems even more secure in his self as a leader and how he carries himself and how he talks to teammates and interacts with teammates during games, off the ice, on the ice. I, 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 I sense that he's even more mature and even more embracing leadership. The other thing is, is that his all-around game, there's a commitment to his all-around game that I think has gone up a notch. And the playmaking, the defensive commitment, um, the the really truly playing the two hundred foot hockey game. It's I'm not trying to imply that he wasn't before. Okay, what we're we're doing is we're taking a bar that's all the way up here, and you know, saying has he even gone a little bit higher than that? And just like in the case of Nikola Jokic, you don't think that there's another gear, and he reaches that gear. I think we're seeing the same thing with Nathan McKinnon, which is a, a topic for another day. Just how freaking lucky we are here in town to be able to watch these two guys at the absolute height of their powers in their prime, the best of the best in their sports and deservedly both should be MVP winners, which um, is going to be the case with Jokic should be the case with McKinnon. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but it's a, uh, it's a fascinating time. The avalanche are playing better. It looks like they've, Kind of smooth things out after that disastrous road trip. You continue to hear the buzzwords from Jared Bednar. If you listen to, to Bednar after games, continue to listen for those uh, those words, those phrases that indicate what he's looking for. He's talking about you know competing, competitive spirit, uh, attention to the details, keeping things tighter. It's just that kind of overall attention to detail, work ethic, competitiveness, those are the buzzwords that surround this this hockey team that you could tell he when 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 they're playing well, they're checking those boxes. When they're not, you'll hear it in his voice. Yeah, we need to compete a little bit better. Yeah, we kind of let down a little bit on on some of the details. Yeah, we got a little bit loose there. We got a little sloppy there. Uh, it, it's it's pretty evident what works and is working for this hockey team and what is it working for it. Oh, and by the way, one other quick thought. I want to give a shout out. That play by Jack Johnson yesterday uh, that led to the first goal in the Chicago game. Holy smokes. Like, where did that come from? So he stones Connor Bedard in front of the avalanche goal and forces Bedard to have to take a really weak shot on goal. Then he chases the puck over to the boards and knocks a guy down and beats him to the puck, takes off with the puck, 
Like he's Nathan McKinnon going down the left boards and then makes a beautiful dish to Parise for the goal. It was one of the best 200-foot defense-to-offense efforts I've seen all year from any defenseman. I mean, that would be if a Kale McCarr does that. We're all like, wow, that was Jack freaking Johnson. It was an amazing play, and um, you love to see players like that make a contribution, make a play like that, and then be rewarded and, and received the way that they, they were by he was by their teammates. I just thought it was an amazing play, and it was, it was just an awesome play. So I just wanted to uh, highlight it because it was that freaking awesome. So that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. It's going to be a fun week next week. Uh, we'll have two podcasts next week. And uh, culminating with the one on uh, Friday, which is trade deadline day. And uh, we'll see what the Avalanche do. They're going to do something. They're going to do something. Again, just to kind of recap, I expect if I had to read it right now, I think you're going to see a series of smaller moves designed to strengthen their wings, defense, and maybe goaltending. I just don't anticipate a big blockbuster deal uh, for a second-line center unless there's another name that surfaces that we as hockey fans haven't heard yet because the group that we're hearing right now is kind of eh. And so I don't expect the Avalanche to uh, overpay for eh and uh, maybe just make some uh, some smaller moves designed to strengthen the overall hockey team. That'll do it. I want to thank Matt. Good job, Matt, for uh, engineering all this. We'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by Four Comfort Gutters.